Amen. Amen. So, you know, I guess I'm going to end this today, the, the, uh, the uh, series, The Gospel of Women. Um, but if you haven't been discerning, this, this isn't just something that we're doing. This isn't just something we're doing because I needed something to preach on. Right? I know that we started it around Mother's Day, and that was nice that it landed on, on that. But it isn't even because of Mother's Day. I believe with all my heart that there is a third great awakening happening in this nation, within the body of Christ. And this message is part of that third great awakening. That women are going to play a key role in what is God's about to do in, in, in the earth. And men are too. But what I'm saying is, is it's time for the church to come together in partnership where we don't exclude one half of the body of Christ from living up to the full potential that God has called them to. You know, there's an uh, uh, a organization that got started up called We the County, right? And, and it's, it's, um, it's a constitutional, um, uh, biblical view of politics, right? And, and they're, they're getting involved in that, those things. And they're having, they, they've been having trouble um, getting um, people to be leaders in different counties, right? Tuscola went, went without a leader for quite a long time. And I think it's interesting that, you know, who stepped up to become the leader of Tuscola County? A woman. They just filled Genesee County. Guess who stepped up to become the leader of Genesee County? A woman. woman women are standing up. They, they understand. They, they're discerning the times and the seasons that we're living in. Right? And we're going into a no, new series right after this on kingdom living. Living supernaturally in the earth. We're going to be looking at Holy Spirit and what that means to, for you to be joined with Holy Spirit. To be one spirit with Christ. To understand what are the gifts of the Spirit. How are they used? Can, can I be used by the Holy Spirit? Right? That this isn't. See, a lot of people say, well, you got God that's always angry. You got Jesus that he's, he's the nice guy. And you got Holy Spirit that he's just spooky. Right? That's, that's wrong. They are all one. And Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And he says, and when the Holy Spirit comes, guess what he's going to point to? He's going to point to me. Right? And so, that, that, this is all part of us preparing. We can say that we're in a great awakening. We can say revival's coming until we're blue in the face. But if the church does not prepare for it, we don't really believe it. We need to walk out what we're saying by faith. We need to prepare for what God is about to do. And that's what these, that's what these series are all about. And, and if, if you're not paying attention, you miss it. You think, well, we're just going to church and we're hearing a message today. No, we're preparing for something. We're preparing for something. And I'm excited about it. Amen? You should be too. So, last week, my goodness, it was a good, good Sunday. 
And what, what we've seen last week was that Paul and the, and the Scriptures um, never say that women must remain silent in church. Amen, women? Man, that was weak. Maybe you should be quiet. No. <laughs> My goodness. Come on. This was good news when, when this was told to the Corinthian church. They got excited about it, and I can guarantee you that women weren't silent that day, right? And it should still be good news to the church for today, right? I mean, but this brings us to another philosophy of culture and men that has infiltrated the church, which says that women are not allowed to lead, that they're not allowed to preach, teach, or pastor. And what, what we're going to look at is what the gospel has to say about that. So let's jump into that. that. Um, you know, shortly after the day of Pentecost, Peter and John, see, we've we got to look at the whole scripture as a whole. We can't just pull one scripture out of, out of context and say, this is a doctrine. You understand that? So right after Pentecost, Peter and John, they were going to the temple and they healed a cripple man in the faith and the power of, of the name of Jesus, right? I love that. I can't get off on this, but I love what they say. They said, don't look at us that our own righteous, our own holiness healed this man. But be it known unto you that faith, faith in the name of Jesus made this man whole. See, do not allow yourself or the devil to disqualify you. Operating in the power of God is on the faith of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. It has nothing to do with your goodness. It has nothing to do with who you are in the flesh. It has everything to do with who God has made you in the Spirit. And it's in faith in the authority of Jesus Christ. Understand that. That's a different message for a different day. But you need to know that. Well, anyways, this got them arrested. They were arrested, and, and after they were released, they were charged not to preach in that name, in the name of Jesus, anymore. So when they went back, they went back to their own people, and they had a praise party. And it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 31, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. All. And they spake the word of God with boldness. So the enemy is commanding not to speak the name of Jesus, do not preach in the name of Jesus. They went back and prayed about it and praised God for, 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 for what He's doing. And the place was shaken. It was like another mini Pentecost, right? Isn't that interesting? You see, lots of times, actually the Apostle Paul says that we need to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a constant thing. If you're filled with something, you're either filled with the Holy Spirit or you're filled, filled with this world, right? You're filled with something, and some of you are full of it. But anyways, it was another mini Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit shook the room, and the company of disciples, all that were there, both male and female. See, if you think that, men, uh, that women are disqualified from serving the Lord, to preaching and teaching, and they must remain silent. Then all of these scriptures where it says all, it really didn't mean all. It meant just the men. 
And it says, the company of disciples, both male and female, became fearless preachers who spoke the word of God boldly. And, and this, is, this is such an amazing thing because something happens historically with the persecution of the church. You know, up until that time, it was only men that were thrown in jail. Because women were not a threat. But when Holy Spirit came, and the church was birthed, all of a sudden, men and women were being persecuted. Men and women were being thrown in jail. Why? Because they were just as a threat. They were lioness just like the lion. The lion of Judah roars, and the lioness stood up just alongside the men. And in Acts chapter 2, it says both that male and female believers began to prophesy. And here in Acts chapter 4, they began to preach. So when the Holy Spirit moves in power, who can remain silent? Right? Sounds like you guys. So, I'm sorry guys, I'm, yeah. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> So contrary to what many people have been taught, the women in the early church did not sit on the sidelines. They stood shoulder to shoulder with their brothers prophesying and proclaiming God's word. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26, it says, What then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you have a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation? Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. So see what it says here? It says, if each of you can come together with an instruction or a revelation, then each of you can teach and preach, right? Other translation says, what shall we say then, brethren? And we talked about that last week, that brethren means all believers, right? Right? So, so we, see, we see that if each of you can have an instruction, what's that? That's teaching. If each of you can have a revelation, you know, that's teaching and preaching, instruction and revelation, then male and female can teach and preach. There's only one requirement listed for teaching and preaching, and that is that the message should strengthen the church. Gender has nothing to do with it. You know, truthfully, it should, it should be that if God has given you a passion for teaching and preaching, then you should be able to teach and preach. Right? If God has given that, given that to you, and that should be the end of the discussion, but it's not, is it? It's not the end of the discussion. Because we have allowed the traditions of men to trump the instructions of Scripture and the call of God on some people's lives. People have added words to Scriptures that just are not there. See, we read this because of a lens that was given to us. Like, each of you can bring a word of instruction, unless you're a woman. Each of you can have a revelation, but women are not allowed to share them. Each of you can have a tongue or an interpretation, but women can only share them with other women. The Scriptures don't say that. For close to 2,000 years, women have felt the call of God, but have been told to remain silent. They have been shoved into the corners of, of uh, coven, coven, 
Covenants? Covenants? Covens? No, co- convents. That's it. Not covens. That's witches, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, listen here. I guarantee you that there are women that have been pushed into covens because the church would not allow them to operate in power. Convents, nunneries, they were sent to far off mission fields, and some of them were pressured into taking vows of silence. Think about how much a person loves God to do that. And they did it because they thought that that was their only option. Thanks to our Greek and Jewish heritage, women teachers are still considered progressive, even heretical. I can't pronounce words. Heretical in parts of the church. The early church had female teachers. But the church fathers got rid of them. I could have went into the whole history, church history of the church fathers and what they, what they said about women. That the early apostles and early church, churches did not. Because they, their, their early church fathers got rid of them because they followed culture and philosophies, philosophies of men rather than the gospel. And that's the reason why we have no church mothers. In Luke chapter 6, verse 40, it says, The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like the teacher. We know that Jesus taught and discipled both men and women, correct? Jesus said that when a fully trained student is trained, they will be like their teacher. Jesus trained both male and females. He discipled them so that they would become like Him, correct? Then He sent them into the world to what? Train and disciple others so that they could be like Him. Correct? In Matthew 28, verse 19, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Those who were disciplined by Jesus discipled others. And that pattern continued unbroken for centuries all the way till it got to you. You know that? Do you know that if you connect the dots, you heard the good news from someone who heard it from someone who heard it from Jesus? Think about that. So can a woman preach? And teach. You better hope they can. Because for, for certain in that long list of disciples between you and Jesus, there were female teachers. How many people were introduced to, to the Bible, introduced to Jesus, introduced to God by their mothers? See, if we remove one of them or tell them to remain silent, then you might not be here today. People argue that it's unbiblical for women to preach behind a pulpit, but it's not. Women preached in the New Testament. When the church in Rome received their letter from the Apostle Paul, 
that letter was delivered and read out by a woman. A woman named Phoebe. Let's look at what Paul said had to say about her. In Romans chapter 16, verse 1, it says, I com- commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Caesarea. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and give her any help she may need for you, for she has been a benefactor of many people, including me. Paul introduced Phoebe just like he introduced Timothy to the Corinthians. And he, in the same way that he introduced um, Ephroditus to the Philippians. They were his messengers delivering his message. So what do we know about Phoebe? She was a benefactor of many, which is to say she was a patron. Uh, a woman set over others. She was a woman of influence. She was a leader. Paul trusted Phoebe when she read this letter. And when she read it, she would have had to explain some of its context to the listeners. Right? She probably even had to answer some questions that they might have had about Paul's letter. Phoebe was a mouthpiece for Paul just as much as any modern day preacher is today. The letter to the Romans is considered to be one of the most influential epistles ever written. You had every great preacher from Martin Luther to John Wesley to George Whitfield, Charles Spurgeon, Billy Graham, Oral Roberts, Kenneth Hagin, Andrew Womack, Chad Minkler. They all <laughs> they all have preached from Romans. They've all taught from Romans. But we must never forget. At the head of this long list of esteemed preachers stands a woman handpicked by Paul to preach it first. In Romans chapter 16, verse 7, salute, oh my goodness, and Anarchios and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners who are of note among the apostles who also were in Christ before me. Wow. Sitting in this Roman church that day, when this letter was written, read aloud, was another prominent female leader. Her name was Junia. I think that's how you say it. From what Paul says, we learn four things about her. She was born again. She was in Christ before Paul. She was born again before Paul. She spent time in prison with Paul. She was an apostle. And Paul thought that she wasn't a great, a great apostle. In addition to Phoebe and Junia, Paul greets four other hardworking women in his letter to the Romans, Mary, Typhena, Tryphosa, and Persis. Women who were fellow servants of the Lord, ministers of the gospel. The New Testament church did not forbid women from preaching and teaching as some do today. So this now brings us to the words that Paul writes to Timothy. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11, it says, A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. Hmm. These words have been used to chain, chain women with unholy bounds for centuries. Women can't talk. 
and they can't teach. This shows you the damage that can be inflicted by misreading one scripture and ignoring all the rest. Listen to this. You're going to have to do your own homework and look this up. But these are the following scriptures that say both men and women can teach and preach. Luke chapter 6 verse 40. Luke chapter 8, 1 through 2. John chapter 4 through 39. Acts 18 through 26. Romans 12 and 7. 12 verse 7. Romans 16, 3 through 5. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26, Colossians 3.16, 2 Timothy 1.5, Hebrews 5.12, 1 Peter 2.9, 1 Peter 3.15, 1 Peter... Um, I got 45, but that's wrong. It's either chapter 4 or chapter 5, 10 through 11. So you can do your homework there. When it says all, it means all. Right? You would have to read your Bible and, and just cut. <laughs> it's only re- written to half of the population or, or less. So we have all these scriptures saying that women can preach and teach. And of the, script, and of the scriptures that suggest that women can't, we have 1 Timothy 2, 11-12. Don't you think that's odd? That's odd. But which one do we choose? We choose the one rather than the many. So seeing that the Bible clearly states that a woman can teach and preach, why does Paul cut against this grain with these words to Timothy? I mean, did Paul forget all the women that taught alongside him? Or could we be reading reading it wrong? So we need to understand that in this sexist world, this Jewish of Jewish religion, some believe that women should remain uneducated. Even, even in our modern day forming of the United States, and up to that point, there was that idea that women should remain uneducated. And you always have to worry about people that try to um, keep knowledge from others. Those are tyrants. The, the Jews said stuff like, teach your sons, but not your daughters. Says, and they put this in the Jewish Talmud. To teach a woman was to think that you were throwing your pearls before their swines. And we've, read, we've read the things that have been said in previous messages. So in Paul's youth, he might have agreed with these statements. But when he met Jesus, he was set free from these prejudices. Paul began to teach women like Jesus. Paul championed women's rights to education. It was important that Timothy understood this. I don't think you guys understand when you read that, that Paul was saying, let women learn, study. As a leader of the church, Timothy would have felt great pressure to conform to the culture of the Jews and the Greeks rather than the kingdom of God. In 1 Timothy 2.11, let's break this down. A woman should learn. A woman should, should learn. When Paul said that a woman should learn, 
He ignited a fire that is still ablaze today. It was countercultural to an upside-down world that he was currently, they were currently living in. There are three ways that we must re- misread this passage. The, a woman should learn in quietness and full submission. He says, let a woman learn in quietness. It's interesting that he uses the same words earlier in the chapter to express his hope that all believers may enjoy peaceful and quiet lives. Right? So, I actually read, read this. And yes, a woman should learn in quiet, quietness. She should learn without being bothered. Right? We want quiet lives. We don't want... We, we want to raise our families. We want to worship our God. We, we want to live our lives without being bothered. And that's what Paul is saying, saying here. Paul is telling Timothy, if a woman desires to learn, they should submit quietly to God and the Gospel. This is what all should do, whether male or female. Right? If you're going to learn from, from, from the Scriptures, you should do it with quietness. You should do it in a, in a, in a humble manner and submitting to the Word of God. Some, do not conform the Word of God to, to meet your lifestyle or, or to com- your ideas or your experiences, but let the Word of God transform you. You submit to the Word of God. Right? Grace is for the humble and teachable. The, the proud can learn nothing. Second, it does not say that a woman must learn with all submission to men. It does not say that. What damage has been affected on the body of Christ by adding those words? We're submitting to God in, in our study. Third, Paul does not say He opposed to women teachers. Far from it. I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. When Paul says this, I do not allow a woman to teach or assume authority over a man. He adopts an unusual choice of words. Instead of using the normal word for authority, which is exousia. Right? You're familiar? Exousia? Exousia. Right? Because we have the authority of Christ, the exousia, right? It's also used in power, right? He uses a different Greek word. Instead of exousia, he uses the negative word, verb, athene, a u t h e n t e o, which can be translated to usurp. See, when you understand just this, that, that simple definition of that word to usurp that's a lot different it means to dominate or boss around we shouldn't be dominating bossing around anyone in literal sense it can mean to kill with one's own hands see Paul was painting a picture of a violent domination that happens when you go from one ditch to the other as we see in our culture. You can always tell when the kingdom of darkness is up, up to something because when there's a shift, it goes from one extreme to the ex- other extreme. 
From one person dominating another to another group dominating another. One, one group that is valued more than others to another group that now is valued more than others. And that's what we see in our culture. And this is why the church has to have the voice of what God truly intended for male and female, black and white. No matter your culture, your background, that we're all equal in the body of Christ. We're all one in one spirit with Him. And as the body, we are partnered together. See, this is why the Gospel is the only answer for our world and the troubles that we see ourselves in. And these troubles aren't something new. And we're going to see here in just a second. It's the same old story over and over again. But the, but the body of Christ should be an example of the kingdom. A, a counter-culture, a, a counter-kingdom in this world where they see male and female working together in one body in partnership. This is what Timothy was facing. If you do a little bit of history about the church of Ephesus, which Timothy was pastoring at this time, history shows that at this time in Ephesus, there was an Ephesian cult of the Artemis. A-R-T-E-M-I-S. Artemis, right? My Greek, my Greek gods class, I must not have passed it. Artemis. And she was a goddess. She was the daughter of Zeus. She was the sister of Apollo. And this, this cult had taken root in this city. Even there was a worship of Diana, remember? And Paul got thrown into jail and beat because the silversmiths weren't selling their idols anymore. And everybody was upset. And they were stopping worshiping this goddess. right? So you've got to understand this culture and this where this church was located and what was happening. So you had, you had this cult, and this cult had female priests who served at the Artemisian complex, and they were governed by high priests. So domineering female leaders was known in this, in this city. And what the temptation was, was the temptation that was facing this young pastor, Timothy, right? We know that because... He, uh, Paul says, do not let anybody despise you for your youth. And this young church in Ephesus, which was, which, which um, history tells us it would have dwarfed any mega church in the United States today. It was a huge church. The temptation was that by throwing off the shackles of male domination, the pendulum would, would, would swing too far in the other direction. Again, much like our culture today. In essence, Paul was echoing what Jesus said to his disciples. In Mark chapter 10, verse 42, now what I'm about to read is so contrary to our minds. It's so contrary. The, the, the way of Jesus, the way of the kingdom, it's just so contrary. Contrary to our minds. 
In Mark chapter 10, verse 42, it says, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord, lord over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. There's been many times as a pastor I wanted to lord over people. <laughs> I wanted to just growl and say, Wake up. Do this. You can, but that's not the way of Jesus. It says, it says, Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever you des, of you who desires to be first shall be slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to be served and to give His life a ransom for many. See, in the kingdom... In the kingdom, it's not about lording others. It's about, it's about showing an example of the servanthood of Jesus Christ. Ministering to others. Blessing others. Why, why can you do that? See, that doesn't make sense in our minds because in this world, we see people as opportunity. We see, we see people as a means to get to our end. We see people kind of like currency. What can I get from you? Right? That's one of the greatest. <laughs> That's the way that we think in this world, and and many pastors become manipulative to the congregation because they are their source. But Jesus says that's not the way you should be. The way you should be is you serve, you minister. To others, you give out of your of your abundance, and you do have abundance because your abundance is found in Christ. You can give and give and give just as long as you're receiving, receiving, receiving. And that's the way the church is supposed to operate: receiving from God and blessing others. But we live in a world where we're always about who's on top, who's the best. See, it's just as wrong for men to lord over women as a woman as it is wrong for a woman to lord over men. And this was a a completely new concept that was happening. That women could even be in a position of leadership. So you, they have to understand that we do not follow the philosophy of the Jews and the Greeks and we don't follow the philosophy of cults. It's partnership. The body of Christ serving one another. A godly teacher does not throw their weight around like a tyrant. Instead, they set an example for others to follow. And I pray that you guys never experienced that. I pray that you've never been in a church where the, the church leadership were tyrants, where the church leadership demeaned and made you feel small and made you feel dependent on them. That you need them. No, we need one another, the, the Bible says. Paul said that a woman must have the space to study and learn in their own way. Not in order that they may 
muscle in and take over leadership as the cults, but so that men and women can develop whatever gifts of learning, teaching, and leadership that God has given them. Again, understand this concept of teaching women. Most women were illiterate at this time. This concept of, of teaching women to read, teaching women the concepts of God so that they can give it, give it to others, to learn, was, it was totally, completely new. Can a woman pastor? Well, the Scriptures say they did. The church met in Priscilla's home. Ni- Ni- my goodness, these names. Nyphenas, N-Y-M-P-H-A-S. She, she had a church in her home. You had the house of Chloe and her people, it says. So Chloe had a, was a pastor over a, a house church. And she had people. You had Lydia of Thyatira. And John, in his second epistle, writes to the chosen lady. That word chosen literally means a, a, person, a, a person in esteem and leadership. The chosen lady and her ch- to, to the chosen lady and her children. See, we, we just go over all these, these things. We fulfill the Great Commission by discipling people. Then we disciple others. So if we're doing the Great Commission, how can women not... How can they avoid, how they can avoid not getting involved? Right? Because that's what we're called to do. We're called to disciple. We're called to teach. We're called to preach. It makes no difference whether the people are tra- we train are black or white or male or female, young or old. Followers of Jesus train anyone who wants to learn so that all of us may grow into the full measure of the fullness of Christ. And there's so much more that we could cover on this. And, you know, I was going to do another, another week on, on um, the whole wife submitting to your husband, but I'm going to say that for a future series we're going to do on, um, on marriage, right? We're going to do a marriage thing probably in the, in the fall. We're going to start, start that because we need, that's another thing that, that we need to strengthen our families. We need to strengthen our families because the way the family goes is the way the community goes. And the way the community goes is the way that the state goes. And the way the states goes is the way our nation goes. And, and we need to start str- strengthening our families. Think about this. If your marriage is a representation of Christ in the church, what are our children saying? Are they seeing Christ in His relationship to them? Christ in the relationship to the church? When they look at our marriages? Or are they seeing War World 3? Man, it's awful quiet in this Presbyterian church. So, there's, there's, there's lots of things that we could, we could co- cover. And I could have went into deeper detail on all these 
these different pastors and all these scriptures and stuff like that. But I think we get the point. The point is, is that the, 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 the scriptures, we are all one in the body of Christ. There's not male, there's not female, there's not Jew, there's not Greek, there's not um, bond, there's not free. We are all one in the body of Christ. We have been given the same Spirit. We have been baptized in, through the same Holy Spirit. His gifts and callings are by His choice, not our choice or, or our gender. Right? He, and we need the body of Christ to come together as one because we have a mighty, mighty spiritual battle on our forefront. And we need all hands on deck. And, we, and for us to go into... It would be wrong for us to go into this next series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit without teaching this first. Because what use is it to teach the gifts of the Holy Spirit if, we've already dis- if people go into it thinking they're disqualified? Amen? Amen. This was good, Chad. I appreciate it. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank You. We thank You for Your great love. We thank You for the body of Christ. We thank You that, that you, you, are rede- you have redeemed the curse. You have redeemed our fall. We are back in the garden walking in the cool of the day with Jesus. You, have, you are conforming us into Your image. Our minds are being renewed to see ourselves in that, those new creation realities. Holy Spirit, we ask that You would continue to lead us and guide us in truth. That You would continue to give us the heart of Jesus. That we wouldn't see ourselves as Lord over others. We would not see ourselves as domineering or controlling or bossy or, or, or being a tyrant. But that we would have the heart and the faith to serve just as Jesus served and gave His life for many. Father, may we be a church of servants. And we, may we receive a, from our, our abundance from You. And may we continue to, to move forward in this third great awakening and see the goodness of God manifest in the earth. We love You. We praise You and we worship You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's worship to contact us, go to www.karisntc.com.